Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, I am excited to bring you yet another episode of the Boca Podcast today. Uh, Where I'm at right now, it's actually a a Monday morning. It's a little bit of a dreary Monday morning, but uh, I'm actually really excited to have a new friend of mine, Morgan Mendez, uh, on this interview with me. Morgan, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. And uh, and I don't want to be too formal about our introduction here because we were actually already kind of deep in conversation before we started recording. I've actually had listeners comment that that they want to hear the pre-recording. And, and like, I just need to hit the record button from the moment we, I jump on the call. So we're going we're gonna to allow a version of that here. I want to get back to we were talking about at least one or two big topics there before we started recording. We're going to do this before we even get into kind of an introductory phase and get to know you a little bit. Um, we were talking about something that is we, we've discussed in the podcast before, but I, I want to delve into it a little bit here with you. And that is the topic of being an introvert, because I know that this is something that uh, is commonly felt amongst photographers, that they they feel like they're introverts. Uh, the phrase that you used with me a little bit ago was that you recharge by spending time uh, on your own or alone. Um, and so I'd love for you to comment on what your experience has been with that. And, and I'm sure many of our listeners could probably relate. Yeah, well, actually, Nathan, you gave me a great perspective, uh, you know, obviously, before you hit record. But just in general, I recharge better by being by myself. So I was, for example, just photographed two weddings this weekend. And so today's kind of my day off. And we were talking about how wedding hangovers for me usually typically last about a few days. But when I'm photographing a wedding, I usually just feel so on that, you know, once I'm done, I just have to, you know, just relax, not do anything, be by myself, which is why I think sometimes being a business owner is actually so beneficial because you spend so much alone time. But then there's also, um, you know, being, it is so important to be able to not just be yourself in front of people and not try to be somebody that you're not. So that's actually something I really want to work on. <laughs> well, and, and I don't think I expected to go down that route either, but we got into this interesting conversation about the psychology that drives what we do. And this is more of a, well, at least partially a theory on my part, um, because I can very much relate to what you were saying with regards to how you recharge, how you gain energy back. And first of all, I have to be clear, you shot two weddings. So just from a physical standpoint, you're going to be exhausted. I know what that's like. I would shoot, you know, 10, 12, 14 hour days as a wedding photographer. I know how absolutely exhausting that can be just physically. And and especially if you're doing that in two days in a row, it's got to be really, really intense. But from an emotional psychological standpoint, we're spending a lot of time being quote on. And this idea of being on is an interesting one to me because I realized, uh, I don't know, maybe a year to two years ago uh, for myself that that idea of being on was a lot of what was exhausting my energy. So traditionally speaking, and we've already alluded to it, the idea of being an introvert suggests that uh, being around people tends to tire us emotionally 
or psychologically. And um, I could certainly relate to that idea. I'd go to places like WPPI and you go to these parties and, and you know, everybody's really, really loud and yelling over the music. And I think that environment, again, uh, is exhausting in and of itself. But when it comes to engaging with groups of people, small or large, especially those that I don't know, I had a tendency of kind of trying to put on a particular front. Not that I was making myself a totally different person than I normally am, but I was throwing extra energy in and, and you know, trying to maintain a certain level of polish that maybe I wouldn't normally with just my everyday friends. And I realized that that was actually what was largely exhausting me because at the root level, everything that we feel comes from, or much of what we feel anyway, comes from psychology and that psychology is developed from experience and behavior. And so I, the question for me was, what is driving this feeling? It's not just simply, I am who I am, but what is driving this feeling? Why do I feel this way? There is some psychology that's driving it. And what I realized is that I was making such an effort to be a person, a little bit different version of, of who I normally was in order to impress uh, that that was actually exhausting me. So long story short, I made some adjustments in the way that I was engaging with people uh, gave up trying to put on a particular front and be the, not necessarily the life of the party, but rather than trying to have, you know, a hundred different conversations, I focused in on the one conversation with the person in front of me and really giving myself to that conversation. Uh, and people don't do that these days very often. And so I like the feeling when somebody does that for me, I want to give that to other people. And what that translates to is I may have two or three or four really good conversations in an evening rather than having 50 just kind of surface level conversations. But I felt a lot better for it. And uh, so very simply put, I guess at the end of the day, it's just good to understand what motivates us. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, but what motivates us psychologically? Because if we understand the why behind our behavior, um, it, it can really translate significantly, not only to a better life on a personal level, but a, a much better life on a business level. So I appreciate you exploring that with me. And I wanted to, to share our listen, share with our listeners that, that conversation, a little bit of food for thought, extra food for thought. But I appreciate you sharing your experience too, Morgan. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective as well. Well, and you've got, uh, and I, I made this comment to you while we were um, chatting before we before we did start recording, uh, that you've got a certain energy that you convey really beautifully through your website. And we may talk a little bit more about your website here in just a bit. Uh, but for those of you listening in, uh, Morgan's website, you've got to check it out. It is uh, just very simply Lady Ilg, I-L-G photography.com. Go check out the about section because you're going to almost feel like you've gotten to know Morgan and not only gotten to know Morgan, but like your, your day is brighter because there's just a certain energy that you exude through your about page. It's really wonderful, but make sure you check that out. And I'll go ahead and throw this out too. I, her Instagram account, you're going to want to also go take a look at. It's very simply Lady Ilg, L-A-D-Y-I-L-G as well. So we'll link to those in the show notes. But uh, Morgan, we normally start off the book of podcast interviews with something called our technique for time or tool for time. And I'm curious if you don't mind sharing with our listeners what you do to create space and time for yourself. You're talking about taking a little bit of time off post-wedding, uh, but how do you create space for yourself, give yourself that time while simultaneously running a business? That's such a great question. And first, I just want to say thank you so much for your compliments on my website. That's my goal actually to... Um, I want people when they land on there to actually feel like they know me. So it's a huge compliment when, you know, I actually run into someone in real life and they're like, I feel like I already know you or I know your husband or whatever. Yeah. Um, because I've shared that. So I just want to say thank you. Oh, of but course. to answer your question, 
Um, I'm definitely a firm believer in outsourcing any work that I can in order to get more free time in my personal life, but also in my business. So, you know, companies like obviously your company photographers edit is super helpful for me. Um, I think a lot of business owners really struggle with this because, you know, our businesses, they're our baby and we feel as though either no one can do it as well or better than we can. And so we have a really hard time letting go and giving others control. But I found in letting go that oftentimes other people who can look at something with a different set of eyes can actually do something better than I can. So um, definitely outsourcing is huge for me. And then another huge area that gives me a lot of free time in my work and personal life is batch working. So, you know, if I can set aside maybe like one or two days a month just to knock out a bunch of blog posts and, uh, you know, schedule emails that I'll have to send to my clients. That way I don't have to worry about it when the time comes that I need to set it out or send emails out. Or, um, you know, if I want to just share a blog post, it's already up. So stuff like that, um, it's really important for me to be able to also take care of my home and my husband and my great Dane puppy. So by the way, you say puppy and that thing is a really big puppy. If that's a puppy, (laughs) (laughs) the pictures on your side, I mean, it's, it's absolutely her name or his name is Kai. Is that right? Yeah. Her name is Kai. I've never seen anything grow as fast as a great Dane. She's only a year and a half. So she's still definitely a baby. Um, but yeah, she's huge. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And again, for those of you listening and you're going to want to go see the picture uh, on uh, Megan's website, just go to ladyoglephotography.com. And then your husband's, you've mentioned your husband a couple of times. Your husband's name is Frank. And uh, yeah. you can see a picture of the two of you guys there as well. It's really, really wonderful. You mentioned outsourcing and the idea of uh, giving your work, kind of your baby to somebody else and how nerve wracking that can be. No question. Um, this is something I think I've spoken to more than once recently, but I, I still am apprehensive, uh, or not even, I don't even necessarily have a natural tendency. Ironically, as somebody who owns a company that specializes in, and taking work from other photographers doing work for them, I should say, um, I'm still apprehensive when it comes to delegation, or it doesn't necessarily even come to mind that I should be delegating this thing. And so I'm, I'm continuing to get better as a business owner, learning to delegate, uh, but somebody, a friend, friend of mine, actually, and somebody who we've had on the podcast before, Thomas Flint, he actually said on the podcast something that really caught my attention. Uh, and, and basically that this idea that we can't let somebody else do something for us suggests that's, that there is literally no one else in the world that could possibly do something as good as we do. And what he pointed out in that was really um, kind of eye-opening was the, the ego associated with that. And I know that that's not something that I want to represent who I am. I don't want my ego to drive everything that I do. So it's a it's good food for thought. But the other side of that, too, is that even if, I mean, we may have a really high standard as a photographer, when it, whether it comes to editing or album design or managing emails or doing social media, I noticed that you also have somebody that you work with, Sydney, who handles marketing and social media for you. Handing that off to somebody, they may not do it exactly the same way that you do or from your perspective, as good as you do. But the reality is the end goal is to take care of the client or to attract a client. And 95% of the time, probably more like 99% of the time, the client isn't going to note the difference or know the difference between when you did something and that person that you're delegating to did something. Do you find that that's been the case? I absolutely do. And honestly, I, I find that when I'm editing a wedding, I can look at the images so many times. And then by the time I 
finished with the wedding since I've spent so many hours on it. I almost like dislike the images. <laughs> yes. It's so bad to say because I, I actually really like my work, but I just get tired of looking at the same thing over and over again. But more than that, I think it's really important because like you said, clients don't notice. I think you guys do a much better job than I could ever do because I look at the images so long. I often miss things. But not only that, my clients, I'm actually doing my clients a disservice by not outsourcing those images because it would take me longer for them to get their images back. I got married. I know what it's like to wait a long time to see your images. And I don't want to do that for my clients. Um, Now that I outsource, they usually get their images back within a week and a half to a week after their wedding. And they love it. So I'm also serving my clients well in that sense. Correct. So, and, and that really speaks to the idea of experience, right? So the, the, the nuanced differences between the way that you would process the images on your own, despite the fact that, as you pointed out, it would take much, much longer. Be- the differences between that, and again, the nuanced differences between your personal editing style versus that which Photographer's Edit does for you. And we actually specialize in matching the photographer's editing style. So we're going to give your client, you know, 90, 95% of what you would have given them anyway. Uh, those differences are only differences that we as photographers note. And I think, you know, when we talk about the idea that a client doesn't note the difference, it's not, that doesn't then give us an excuse to compromise in the quality of the service or the photography that we're offering. That's not the point. Um, We can maintain and hold our own standard and our interaction with other photographers will help push us in that regard. But at the end of the day, we have to think about the the end uh, goal really, which is to take good care of a client, to give them a positive experience. So part of it certainly is delivering good photography. You're doing that. And again, for those of you listening in, check out her work, uh, beautiful examples on her website. But um, you're also thinking about the turnaround time. That's part of the experience. And that's really, really important. And a lot of photographers who are processing their own work, they're spending 12, 16, 20 hours, maybe more uh, processing that wedding, but it's done over a span of time. And so it, it leads to weeks and maybe even more in some cases. And uh, that hurts the client experience. So I love that you point that out. The other thing that you mentioned was batch work and batch work requires planning and having a proactive mentality versus just kind of reacting to any and everything coming in. And I know this is a loaded topic in and of itself, but I wonder if you could just briefly comment on how it is that you go about planning ahead so that you can batch work on certain days. Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm actually a super proactive person uh, when it comes to my business. Um, I, I really like to just avoid any potential, you know, issues or things that could come up. So in my mind, I'm already thinking like, here's the weddings I have for this month. Here's what I need to get done before. Here's the amount of time that I need it. So in, I know during off season, I live in Colorado. So off season is usually end of October through May, even obviously occasionally there's weddings. You know, I have a couple of winter weddings this year, but generally wedding season is like June through October in Colorado. So I know in uh, January, February, March, those are the months I can really focus on, um, you know, scheduling out emails for clients. Um, you know, I know how, how much time I need in order to get a questionnaire back from them or uh, how far in advance I should send, you know, final reminders for their wedding day. So sending those out saves me a lot during wedding season because we're already super busy during wedding season. Um, but yeah, I just... it's easy for me, I think, because in general, I'm a really proactive person when it comes to that. So for example, I just started this thing every Friday called Friday Five. And it's five things, 
you know, and I go over different topics, but five things every Friday that will help your business. So, um, last week, or I can't remember what I did last week, but like one week I did five ways I nourish my marriage while growing my business. So stuff like that. And, uh, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. So I just sat down like two days and knocked out all of those blog posts. So that's, that's hard because I feel like I'm already a proactive person. So I don't know how I like <laughs> it kind of comes uh, naturally. Well, I, I think for those yeah. listening in who, who uh, they're like, you know what, that's, that's great for Morgan, but I, I can't, I, I don't know how to go about, you know, just naturally planning ahead. I I'm in over my head. I'm trying to keep up with any and everything that I have going on. And, um, the idea that I would even have time to sit down and put things in my calendar and write blog posts ahead of time. Like, I just don't, I don't understand where that comes from. And I think there are a couple of principles here that are, that are important. When I mean, we talked about the idea of proactivity um, and the idea that you're planning ahead, but, but really, and, and I say a couple of principles, there's an underlying idea. And this is something that we've talked about uh, multiple times in the podcast before. There's an underlying idea that enables that, and that is being really clear about what you want. Um, not only what you want from your personal life, but then, of course, that then drives what you want from your business. And understanding those two things then enable you to be able to create the workflow and ultimately the business model uh, and the day-to-day business existence that you want. And and But if you're not clear about that, then it is very, very easy on a day-to-day basis just to kind of react to any and everything, any and everything coming in. Uh, so if you don't, it, this is something we've talked about on the podcast before. Maybe we can actually link to an episode or two in the show notes. But the idea of a big picture view is really, really important. A big picture view, it's made up of your long-term goals. And of course, those goals are made up of not only, first of all, the, the financial goals that you have, uh, but then also your strengths and cap- learning how to capitalize on those strengths in order to meet the financial goals. But th- those goals will then ultimately determine the business model that you create and the target market that you go after and the pricing that you establish. And so all of this actually can be become very, very proactive if you're clear about the goals that you're reaching toward. Hey, this is where I want to be personally and professionally in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And that now gives you something to reach toward in everything that you do on a big scale and a smaller scale is driven by those goals. Uh, that will enable you to be much more proactive. If if the if it's just this this kind of haphazard existence, which is I want to be a professional photographer, and I hope that I book this wedding. Okay, the wedding's here now, and uh, okay, now what do I have to do to keep to, to, to take care of this client? I shoot the engagement session. Now I got to edit, and now I got to shoot the wedding, and oh, here's a portrait session. Now I got to plan that and book this thing, and and just kind of reacting to everything coming in. That is going to put most of us, and, and I speak from experience, and it's still something that I have to be actively improving or working on. Uh, I speak from experience in that I know that I can easily get into that reactive mode if, if I'm not conscious about it. So uh, this is a good point of conversation. We, again, could dedicate a whole episode to it, but I appreciate you sharing those tips, and we'll, we'll keep moving here. Speaking of free time, and I know you mentioned that you're taking a day or two off here post-wedding, that wedding hangover after a couple of weddings. Um, what do you like to do with your free time? That's a good question. So I, like I said, live in Colorado and have you ever been to Colorado? hundred percent. Yes. Love it. I, I would even consider moving there, honestly. <laughs> well, it's incredible. Um, and we have gorgeous mountains and my husband and I were rock climbers, but on my free time off, especially in the summer, which in during wedding season, I don't typically have a ton of free time, but I definitely going back to what you were just 
speaking on, you know, I make time for that because I prioritize it. Definitely like to at least take a day out of the week to hike and climb. You know, I have, I'm super close to my family. So we have, I have five siblings and, uh, we are, we, we just usually on Sundays we'll go and have lunch together with my parents and my siblings. So that's really fun. I, other than that, we're pretty predictable. We will, (laughs) my husband and I will just like stay home at night and watch a movie or go to Denver to this ice cream place called little man's. And, uh, we'll just hang out with friends. So just usually it's between, uh, hiking, climbing, family time and little man ice cream. <laughs> That's <laughs> I love that, pretty I, much it. I love that the ice cream shop has has its own um, uh, own item on the list. That's that's one of the things that you're going to make sure you do. I love ice cream. In fact, I just um Sundays are kind of my my cheat days or I'll have a cheat meal or whatever and and uh, I had some I had a good bit of ice cream actually yesterday. I, I it's hard to get enough ice cream. <laughs> so I yeah. I can absolutely <laughs> empathize with you. Uh, I love the combination though of, of you know, you're outdoors and you're moving and you're active and then there's community and family and the connection with people and then having that quiet time as well and uh, enjoying, you mentioned movies. What's what's a great movie that you've seen recently? Oh, recently? So I, I'm not a scary movie person. I can't do it. And my husband was like, you need to watch A Quiet Place. You have to watch it. And he was, it took him like three weeks to convince me because he actually saw it with my sister and he and my sister loved it. And I was like, I'm not going, I can't do it. It's too scary. (laughs) But he finally convinced me and I loved it. And I haven't really fully convinced him or told him that I loved it. So I don't know if he's, he's probably going to listen to this podcast and he's going to find out through this podcast that I really liked it, but, um, (laughs) I, my, my kids actually saw the movie and, uh, or at least my son anyway, and highly, highly recommended it. And I have yet to see it. So I may have to check it out. You should. It's, it's actually not scary. It's more just, you know, intense, but I'm just the type of person, like I'd rather watch like sweet home Alabama or something. (laughs) Yeah. I, it was really good. (laughs) That's really cool. I I do love, I, I, I watch, Actually, over over time now, I've I've actually rated over 900 movies, and I know that sounds crazy, uh, but I use an app called IMDb, and so I'll watch a, a movie or I'll watch a show or a documentary, and and I'll rate it. Uh, I don't watch as much as I used to, honestly, but um, it's nice to be able to sit down and and watch a really good story. And, and in fact, I actually recently watched, um, and this is really bad because I totally slipped my mind. What's the new show uh, on Amazon Prime? that has the lead or one of the characters from the office in it. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my gosh. I would have no idea. Okay, I'm going to have to. So I'm actually, as we're talking here, I, I grab my phone. I'm going to pull up prime really quick and share this with everybody because while it's not, honestly, it's not the best writing in the world. Um, I'm, I, it is an entertaining watch. If nothing else, it's Jack Ryan, uh, is actually what it's called. And it's got uh, the guy from The Office, and I cannot think of his name. I'm going to look this up now, too, for everybody listening. And I know that this is just fascinating uh, podcasting. But Jack Ryan, John Krasinski uh, from The Office is the lead in it. It's kind of interesting because we're so used to this kind of comedic role that he plays, you know, in in, in a corporate office in a cubicle type situation. And uh, now he's playing an action role. But it's actually quite entertaining. So uh, I would I would recommend that. For those of you who want something that's relatively entertaining to throw on, they, they just released a, its first season. And it was it was quite interesting. What, what about reading books? Do you have a, a favorite book that you've read, one that was particularly impactful? 
So I feel like I should preface this because I don't really read a ton of books. Um, I definitely consume a lot, but it's mostly through like blogs and podcasting. But one book I absolutely love, it's called The Glass Castle. And um, I don't know if you've heard of it. They actually made a movie out of it, but the movie didn't uh, cover everything in the book. But I love it because it's a memoir. I just love reading about people's lives and how they've, you know, overcome something. I, I'm a huge fan of, you know, like sob stories and how people have gotten through. So definitely that. I also, have you ever listened to the podcast, How I Built This by Guy Raz? 100%. Yeah, really, really incredible. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like the same thing, like how he interviews people and they talk about how they built their businesses. But, um, you know, there's always like that one struggle that they had to overcome. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. No, we'll actually link to we'll link to the book as well and link to that podcast in the show notes. For those of you who who want to be inspired by just some wonderful stories, uh, my girlfriend who is not an entrepreneur listens to that podcast and has found inspiration from it as well. It's it's a it's a really wonderful podcast. It's a it's a consumable amount of time per episode. And some interesting stories. It's kind of interesting to hear the backstory behind some of these big, big companies that you know you'd never really know unless you get to listen into these conversations. So wonderful. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And I appreciate you sharing that. How long have you been in business as a photographer at this point? And tell us a little bit about how you got started. So I've been in business for five years full time, but as a wedding photographer for three of those five, I got started by accident. I never wanted to be a photographer growing up, (laughs) (laughs) which is really interesting because I feel like a lot of people who are photographers, they like have dreamt of being a photographer, but kind of fell into it by accident and realized I really liked it. I think in another life I would be involved with criminal law. But when, so back in 2013, I was nannying full time and I was just really like, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And at the time I was uh, blogging. I don't have the blog anymore, but it was a blog that was directed to teen girls. And it was sort of like a daily devotional blog. And it was starting to get right around the world, which is really cool. My readers were like, Hey, you should uh, write a book. And so I was like, okay, well I wrote a book and it was a, it was, the book was a daily devotional for teenage girls. And they actually, my maiden name is Ilg. So they all nicknamed me Lady Ilg. And I was like, well, I need uh, money to publish this book, like self-publish it because I wanted to self-publish. So I started trying to figure out how I could raise money to publish this book because I was still living, I was living on my own at the time. So all the money I made from nannying was going towards rent and, you know, bills and stuff. And I had a point and shoot and I posted on Facebook and I was like, Hey, I, I'm going to start taking photos if anyone's interested. And all I asked for is a donation for this book. And surprisingly, people really took well to it. And then just over time, I started doing a lot more uh, sessions and, you know, getting better equipment and decided I wasn't getting paid enough for it. And so I was like, <laughs> I into a business. There's the entrepreneur and, mind kicking in. That's great. Yeah. So I, I went and got an LLC and, you know, blogged every single session and it just kind of took off. Okay. So this is, uh, I, I love the, and we've had a few guests on that, that have kind of discussed or, or commented on their background, how they got into photography in this way, but you have a very matter of fact, 
manner about you when you're talking about just picking up a point and shoot and offering to take some pictures. Was there any apprehension there? Because a lot of photographers, when they they think about taking on their first gig, are so nervous um, about even the idea of offering their services in exchange for some type type of monetary compensation. Was there any nervousness there? And did you have any kind of prior experience or was it just kind of an idea that popped into your head? It was an idea that popped into my head. <laughs> I had, I, to be honest, which is really weird because I, I never felt nervous taking photos, but, um, I went to Florida and took some pictures on the beach, like of this random man with a bunch of birds flying around him. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that photo's good. So maybe if people like this photo, I'll, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> we, I look back on that photo now and I'm like, that was a terrible photo. But <laughs> And you know, when you're offering photo shoots for a donation, I think, and, and people have seen the photos that you share. I don't think there's a ton of expectations going into it yeah. from both the quote unquote client side. I don't want to say clients because at the time I feel like it was sort of like not, I don't know. Do you not really, if you, yeah, they were just making donations. Yeah. And, and you yeah. weren't, it wasn't, you hadn't established your business at that point. So I understand what you mean. Right. But yeah, even once I started my business and really got serious about it, I, I always felt really comfortable doing it because I think, you know, it was more so people came because of my personality and not so much my work because I look back then and I was like, I was, I was not good at all. And, uh, even now I'm sure I'll look back, you know, years from now and be like, wow, there was so much, you know, so many things I could have done differently, but I like interacting with people. So it kind of felt natural. And even when I got into weddings, it was always just like super natural and sure. I have like jitters before weddings, but I don't ever feel really like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. But, you know, it speaks to, to a point that we've made here on the podcast a number of times before, which is that experience. I mean, we even alluded to earlier that the significance of experience and how in many cases that really just trumps the, our perceived uh, quality of the imagery. And as long as we're focusing on creating a really positive experience, and then, you know, for the sake of our craft and our, our industry that we're continuing to push ourselves and improve the quality of that imagery, I think will be good. Um, so I thank you for sharing that, that introductory story, but what type of, talk to us a little bit about, and really this is our topic for today. I want to get into this a little bit deeper than we normally do. I'm curious what type of photography you actually specialize in at this point. Yeah. So, um, I mean, by now we've already, I'm sure everybody's kind of gotten an idea that I do weddings, but I specialize in wedding and elopement photography in the mountains. So more, more like high-end brides, and grooms. So, and I specialize in like Vail, Aspen. Occasionally I'll do a city wedding. There's one venue in Denver I absolutely love. So I can never turn down a, a wedding there. But yeah, I only take on weddings and elopements. And when you say high end, this is an interesting point of conversation. I don't want to kind of branch off too far from this topic of specialization, but what does high end photography mean in that particular part of the country? So I think a lot of people, when they, when they hear high end, they just think expensive weddings, but high end for me is what they're willing to pay on photography. There's a, a price that, you know, is the average price that most people charge. Sure. And then there's the price that is like the, um, invisible price. And then there's a price above that. So that I would consider to be high end. So I don't think, you know, cause I've, I've photographed weddings that, you know, maybe, 
they don't have like gorgeous flowers or whatever, but they really valued the photography. Mm. And so they're willing to pay that. So that's what I mean by high end. Okay. And would you be willing, I mean, speaking of how much they're paying for the wedding, would you be willing to share like a starting price that, that you charge for, for most of your weddings? So my average price is 4,500. Okay. And that definitely puts you in the high end. I've shared this statistic before in the podcast, but uh, as of, I think the 2017 numbers I saw, roughly the top $4,000 and up puts you in the top 5% or so, or maybe even a little bit less at this point, between 3 and 5% of the weddings photographed in the U.S. market. So that would definitely be high end. Now, you know, a lot of people would assume probably that like, quote, high end means eight, ten, twelve, twenty thousand $20,000 wedding photography. And, and the reality is that the majority of weddings photographed in the U.S., uh, and this is information from, from uh, theweddingreport.com, but the majority of the weddings photographed in the U.S., about 70% or so, are shot for about $1,800 and below. And um, so that $4,000 mark definitely puts you in the high end, but I was, I was curious to kind of get your perspective on that. But let's, let's get back to this idea of specialization. Um, have you always specialized? Like, for example, when you started out as a photographer, I know a lot of photographers have a tendency of kind of doing any and everything in order to make ends meet. Um, did you do that or did you start out specializing right away? So I, when I first started, I know we already talked about this, but yeah, I was offering, you know, free sessions for a donation and I was mostly getting families and babies and, you know, uh, seniors. And, uh, I really, I had a friend who was like, Hey, will you photograph my wedding? And I really, really, really liked the wedding. But at one point, this is two years into my business. I just kept getting family inquiries and, I know personally, I'm just not the best at it. And I always just kind of had a fire lit under me when I would photograph a wedding or an engagement session. And my sister actually uh, asked me, she said, Hey, if you had one more session you could do, what would you do? And I said, I would definitely do an engagement session or just photograph a couple. But I kept getting like family inquiries and I was like, why, why am I getting family inquiries? I really want to do weddings. But I, I looked back at my social media and I was only sharing what I was shooting. And at the time, all I was shooting was family, seniors, newborns. Um, and so I was like, man, I really need to, you know, delete all of these yeah. and just share, you know, couples. And at the time I didn't have a ton of weddings, but I had maybe two weddings under my belt. So Mm -hmm. just share those things and market myself as a wedding photographer. So two years into my business, I changed my entire social media plan and also, you know, deleted like all my blog posts that had anything to do with families, babies, all that. Um, and just shared about weddings. And then it wasn't until about two years ago that I, I started, getting serious about what types of weddings I needed to specialize in, uh, especially since at that point I already had a, quite a few under my belt. So, um, so that, that helped me realize kind of narrow it down and realize exactly what types of weddings would be the best for me. And, and I love that you point out, I mean, first of all, the significance of showing or sharing what you want to photograph. This is important. It's important on the website. It's important on social media. But I also love that you brought up that you only had two weddings that you had photographed at that point. But despite that, that was what you were going to share. I mean, if you think about the number and those listening in, think about the number of images that we're shooting in a wedding these days, two to 3,000 images probably on average. There are a lot of images to choose from and then share. Even if you only have a couple, two or three weddings to share 
on your website, on social media, especially for your website. If, if you want your potential client to go to your website, learn about you and the type of imagery that you produce, and then contact you or even book you as a result, a couple of weddings is plenty of images that you can use to create a portfolio. So I love that you make that point. And uh, I don't be discouraged if you're a new photographer and you want to go one direction or another, and you've only shot a little bit of whatever that thing is, go ahead and capitalize on those images that you do have, and then keep shooting some more. And even if it means that you need to, to take advantage of the opportunity to photograph some friends, whether it's a you know, family portrait session or a wedding or otherwise, charge little to nothing for the sake of building up that portfolio so that you can then get paying clients, um, don't be afraid to do that as well. But I, I love that you make that point. Why does this whole idea of specialization matter from your perspective? That's a good question. So I actually didn't realize when I was trying to specialize or just like really just only take on weddings that it would actually grow my business so much, but it actually did, even though I was working a lot less than before, um, which is a huge misconception in the industry, or I think any just business in general, we have this idea that being busy is, it means that you're successful. But I think if you can really tailor what you do and make the experience that your clients have an incredible experience, you can work a lot less and still get paid a ton more for the work that you do. So I think specializing, there's, there's a few points I have. I think specializing matters because it gives your clients a reason to trust you without ever, ever having worked with you in the past. So, you know, when they look at your website and everything, they, they, you give them a reason to believe that you're a master in your craft and you know what you're talking about. So before I specialize my clients, they wouldn't let me in on the timing of their wedding day. They, I would get, you know, five, pages long of a shot list. And now that I've specialized and I, I set those expectations for my clients beforehand, uh, they let me build their wedding day timeline. They, and then if I ask them, Hey, is there any particular images that you want? They say, Nope, I trust you. So, um, so that's one point. I think also by specializing, you're able to charge more for your services. Um, which is kind of what I was going back on what I was just saying. It, it helps you to provide a more boutique personal experience for your clients, which is what they deserve. But when your work is all over the board, you have to kind of divide your attention more between all of your clients. I also think specializing helps you open up the door for educating other business owners in the future. So it kind of just sets you your, yourself up for the future. I And I feel like I should preface that because I know that not every business owner wants to go into education, the education side of things. But I say that because I know, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, I'm not going to be able to photograph weddings anymore. And, you know, I might have kids at that point, and I might just not really have the desire to. So I, I've put myself in this position because I want other business owners too to see that I'm, I know what I'm talking about. And should I ever want to transition, it puts me in a better spot. And the last thing, the last point I have is that when it comes to referrals and when people talk about you, they can point out one distinct thing that you do rather than just say, yeah, this person does a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Having something distinct that people can say about you truly helps when it comes to referrals. Oh, that's great. I mean, they, they, these are these are wonderful points. Trust, you mentioned the significance of trust. Um, it enables you to, to potentially increase prices depending, of course, on the market that you're working with a boutique experience or a more specialized experience. Certainly the opportunity for education and other business opportunities down the road, spoken like a true entrepreneur thinking about the long term. I love that. And then 
uh, it is easier for people to to be able to refer you. And I've told this story multiple times on the podcast, but it, it's it's one that really sticks out in my mind because I saw it happen you know, multiple times over. And that was when I would go to a wedding networking meeting as a wedding photographer, and there were other wedding vendors in the room, and there were multiple photographers. You had these photographers who would get up and introduce themselves as, I am so-and-so photographer. And I, quote, specialize in, and they'd list, you know, four, five, six different things. And they are no longer distinct in their potential connections minds. Uh, those, those, those potential connections that they can make with the wedding vendors in the room, those vendors now just look at them as any other photographer versus having a really clear and distinct message about the service that they offer, enabling them then to differentiate themselves, to distinguish themselves from those in the room. And we have to think about it that way. When we're going to to share what our brand is about. We talk about brand position so much here on the podcast. This is really along the same line of conversation. We need to be very, very clear about the very specific service that we offer and ultimately the value proposition that we offer to the potential client. And we need to be able to communicate that very uh, succinctly to a, a potential connection in the industry so that they can more aptly refer us. So that's a really, really great point as well. What what ideas or maybe questions even should our listeners consider when they are going to choose their specialty or creating a more distinct brand position? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And these are actually questions that I asked myself when I was uh, specializing, but they should definitely, you should ask yourself, do I feel as though my business can sustain itself if something were to happen and I had to take two weeks, one month, six months, whatever it is off? Um, if you feel like your business cannot, um, then that's when I feel like that's as business owners, we have to prepare for things that might happen. And if you're not able to, or you can't answer that question, or you're hesitant when you answer, then you might not be in a position where, you know, should something happen, you know, your business won't crumble. And that's not to say that, that you're, I feel like I made that sound so negative, but (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, specializing helps your business sustain itself, even if you have to take some time off. And explain what you mean by that just a little bit. If that scenario were to play out, what is the advantage then of having a business that does specialize in a very specific service? For me personally, you know, since I, this is what I've shared. And since I know, since my clients and the people who follow me on social media know what they can expect every single time I share something. And if something were to happen, it puts me in a position where I can easily like, let's say I'm not able to photograph a wedding or whatever. Um, I've gotten myself in a spot where I know the industry well, you know, whether it be vendors or other photographers. Um, and so if something were to happen, I, uh, I can hire an associate photographer for something or, you know, because I specialize and know exactly what I price myself according to, uh, what kind of work I, how much every single wedding costs. Um, I can, I know that I can outsource every wedding. And so, so kind of stuff like that. Does that make sense? Well, I I think here, if if we're talking about the idea of sustainability, um, I mean, it's certainly applicable to situations where maybe we've, you know, we were out sick for a little while, or we've had a particular injury and we can't photograph. It's, it's a little bit easier to manage a business in those situations that have 
fewer moving parts. If you're specializing, there are many or there are much fewer moving parts that you have to manage to oversee. Uh, but it also makes it easier over the long run. We're talking about sustainability in the long run to to manage a business that specializes for that for those very same reasons. So in that regard, yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. What's a, what's another question or idea that a listener can sh- should consider if they if they haven't really established a specialty yet, but they're considering uh, doing so? What what should they consider? Yeah, so they should ask: Am I passionate about what I'm doing? And is what I'm doing right now lighting my bulb? So if you can't answer yes to either of those, then there is something else. And I know a lot of photographers, you kind of have to dabble a little bit to figure out what you're passionate about. Um, but if, if you can't answer yes to those, then that's how you know that, may, that maybe there's something else, you know, in the bigger picture. So yeah, and, and I understand that photographers might have to dabble a little bit. So if that's what you have to do, then that's great. You know, I highly, highly encourage it. I know I wouldn't have been into weddings had I not photographed an engagement session or a wedding. And I would have maybe still at this point still been photographing families and newborns um, had I not, you know, kind of experienced. So um so definitely ask those questions as well. And I have to comment here because, you know, this this idea of being passionate about what we do, it's become a, a very common point of conversation in the last few years. I, there is something to be said for doing hard work, regardless of the work, right? And, um, you know, in, in our first world, first world culture, it's it's easy to to get frustrated with doing something that we don't enjoy as much. But on the flip side of that, and you actually, you talked about this idea of sustainability. If we're going to create a business for the long run, it's going to be so much easier to create a sustainable business model if we're doing something that we truly enjoy. It's going to reflect in what we do. It's going to reflect in the energy that we bring to the client experience. It's likely going to even translate to the quality of imagery that we produce. So there is something to be said for specializing and focusing on the thing that we enjoy most because that excitement, that so-called passion will translate to what we're doing and ultimately create a, a better experience for the clients, better finished product, and certainly a more sustainable business. So I, I appreciate you sharing that, but do you have another key idea or question that our listeners should consider? Uh, no, those are the three things. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I, I agree with what you said that if you're doing what you're passionate about, it definitely shows. And I think our clients can tell as well. So, um, definitely is, that's definitely something to consider for sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing those ideas and, and, uh, it seems as though you've, you've come a long way very, very quickly and, and only having run a business for five years, but I can't thank you enough for making time to share what you've learned so far with our listeners here at the Boca podcast. And maybe before we go, if you don't mind just sharing or kind of reiterating again where they can find you online your website and social media as well yeah so my website is lady ilg photography that's l-a-d-y-i-l-g photography.com and then instagram is lady ilg that's l-a-d-y-i-l-g and i'll also be giving your listeners a free guide if they want it and they can just go to lady ilg photography.com slash specialize that will if they're curious about specializing, that will just kind of go over all the topics we chatted about. On oh, that's podcast. awesome. Well, that's really cool. And I appreciate you putting that together. And what we'll do is make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. For those of you listening in, if, if you don't take advantage of the show notes, make sure that you occasionally visit Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. 
and um, Haley, who puts together, who edits the podcast uh, episodes and then also puts the show notes together, is, is putting together quite the, the set of resources there uh, with all of these episodes that we're pushing out, about 175 episodes or so thus far. So uh, make sure you go to bookapodcast.com and you're going to want to check out this episode with Morgan and um, we'll make sure to link to that guide that she's put together for us. Thank you so much, Morgan. And thank you so much again for making time to share with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.